Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by occupational therapist Lauren Coughlin to discuss regulation. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing wonderful. We're excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Lauren, just start by introducing yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Okay. So, uh, I'm Lauren. Um, and so I am an occupational therapist. I've been an OT um, for almost 22 years now. Um, and I work with mostly kids and some young adults. Um, I work at private practice and also at a private school for adolescents and young adults with autism. Um, and then I also have two kids and I'm happily married. So that's what I do. Juggling the beauty of work and life and <laughs> Everything else in between. <laughs> Everything else in between. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. So you said you work for a private practice and in the school. So what's the private practice called? Um, so I am the clinical director at Creative Development um, in Avon, Connecticut. Um, we have been open now for 15 years um, or so. Wow. And um, through Creative Development, we see clients as young as infants and um, as old as our oldest client right now is 29. Um, but I've worked with clients as old as like 55 years old here who wow. have autism or ADHD and other sensory challenges. Um, and we have our clinic, we do home care. We also um, have a life skills program as well that um, we just started a year ago um, for clients who are uh, ages high school and young adults wow. um, kind of fall through the cracks once they transition. So yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. you said you're in Avon, Connecticut with creative development. Mm -hmm. So if people were looking for your services, especially in the area, where would they go online? Um, so we um, are on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, on Facebook, we are creative development CT. And on Instagram, we are creative development LLC. Um, and then we also have a website, um, creativedevelopmentct.com. Perfect. I'll make sure to link all those in the show notes so people can find you. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, let's just hop into the topic of today's discussion. So I think a good place to start would be to define OT. So what's OT? Why is it important? Okay. So I think that a lot of people get confused as to what OT is. And there's Confusion because there's a lot of overlap between OT speech and then OT MPT. Right. Um, if you're working in a school system, a lot of people think of OT as handwriting specialists, which is not what we are. Mm. Um, and if you're working with like the elderly population, I know when I used to work with adults and I'd come in, they'd say, well, I'm retired, so I don't need to work with you. So oh. um, as they think of occupations as your job, which is definitely <laughs> part of it, but um, our role is so for occupational therapy, really the purpose is to engage in meaningful activity. So that's anything that's meaningful to a person throughout their daily routine from the time they wake up in the morning until the time they go to sleep at night. Um, it's, you know, all of those activities of daily living that include like dressing and bathing and meal prep and just being able to feed yourself. And for kids, like being able to play and make friends and, do sports and really any of those meaningful activities. And so within that, we really work on those foundational skills to help people be as independent, independent as possible with those meaningful activities. Very cool. Okay. So yeah. it sounds like you guys do 
the work to get people to um, live their most fulfilled and like independent life. Would that? Yes. Yeah. 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 Summarize it. Yeah. And we we work with, we work with people with disabilities and people without disabilities. We have a lot of people who come to creative development that don't get services in school, Mm -hmm. um, who just kind of struggle with daily activities um, and really our purpose in that realm is just with confidence and self-concept and making them feel good about themselves. You know, kids that maybe have difficulties with like multi-step activities or, you know, don't know how to clean up after themselves, you know, things like that, where like, would they be okay without the OT? Probably. But with occupational therapy, we just help them to become more confident people. Yeah. So that's awesome. It sounds like very fulfilling work. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So I know I said our topic today is regulation and that might not be very clear to people what that means. So can you tell us what, what that means when we hear regulation? Sure. Um, so that means a lot of things. So, um, and one of the things that, you know, as occupational therapists, like for myself working in pediatrics, I, um, am actually certified in sensory integration. So when we think of regulation, that's really kind of the basics of, like what sensory integration is like in order to be like, when I think about regulation at at its most basic level, it's your ability to breathe, be calm, um, you know, have that suck, swallow, breathe reflex when you're eating and drinking, um, to really be able to maintain like the, you know, your optimal heart rate, um, and just be calm and, have the strategies and understanding of what you can do to help yourself to remain calm in certain situations. So I'll just give a little example. And I know we're going to be talking more about emotional regulation, but, um, this morning, um, I dropped my older daughter off at school and then my younger daughter and I come home and my younger daughter came walk through the door and she said, I feel like I have a bug on my back. There's a bug crawling on my back. And so she got into this heightened state. Right. Um, and so she said, lift up my shirt and look. And so I assumed she had a bug crawling on her back. And so I got nervous, lifted up her shirt, saw what I thought was a beetle and realized it was just her necklace on her back and had like uh, turned around. Yeah. And so I was able to immediately calm down because I was able to cognitively realize like, okay, it's just her lists. Right. And so I was able to regulate myself fairly quickly, even though initially I was like, oh my God, there's a bug on your back or there's something on your back. Um, And then once I showed her just your necklace, she still felt like there was a bug on her back. So she still wasn't quite regulated. But once I reassured her and turned the necklace around, then she was able to regulate. And so we, as people without disabilities, we are able to do that fairly independently. You know, you whether it's, um, you know, you're in your house and a fire truck goes by and you might startle from that. We know like, okay, it's just a fire truck. And then we're able to calm ourselves down. Uh, But a lot of times kids who have difficulties with emotional regulation are not able to calm themselves down. And then they might start sweating or, um, you know, extreme, like bang their heads on the floor, Mm -hmm. start yelling, run away. And so those those are times where like teaching that emotional regulation is really important. Um, so that's kind of like what I think of as like, as regulation, like even your ability to fall asleep at night, you have to be regulated. You have to know where your body is. 
to trust that, okay, I can close my eyes and kind of drift off of in another world and think about things, calm my body down enough that I'm going to fall asleep. Right. Wow. So. That is a really good explanation of regulation. I feel like, Thank it's, you. yeah, it's really helpful to get a story to go along with it. I think that people will really relate yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, so another thing I think people hear about in regulation are zones. So mm-hmm. how many zones are there? What are the zones? Can you t- talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so the zones of regulation, um, is a program that we use and, um, in our area here, um, in the, the area that I live in, a lot of the schools are actually using the zones of regulation as, um, like just within like the regular education. So, so it's used throughout like every classroom. And so really what the zones of regulation are is it's four different categories. Um, There's red, yellow, green, and blue. And so the green zone is like your optimal zone. That's where you're regulated. You feel just right in that zone. You feel happy. You feel calm. The yellow zone, a time where kids are feeling more excited about something. So maybe they're like going on a big trip. So that might put you in the yellow zone or it's a, it's the first day of school that could put you in the yellow zone. Um, or, you know, for some kids, it might be like leaving the house could just put them in the yellow zone or new game might put them in the yellow zone. So excited, nervous, um, you know, feeling like a little giddy, all of those are examples of like the yellow zone. Okay. And then the red zone is kind of like where that nervous and giddiness go to the next level. So Mm -hmm. it's more of like the out of control zone. You know, someone might feel like very angry in the red zone. Um, Someone might feel out of control um, or like not know where their body is and going to be flailing all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about kids with sensory processing issues, like in a busy grocery store that might put them in the red zone or I was talking to a parent the other day whose son is sensitive to weights um, and noises. And they went to like a fair and didn't know that there was going to be a parade oh. and he couldn't tolerate the parade and started crying and screaming and put himself in a ball. Yeah. That is the red zone and right. wasn't able to calm himself down. Um, and then the blue zone is really more like if you're feeling sad or you're feeling sluggish or tired, um, those are examples of the blue zone and the blue zone can turn into the red zone. If you're feeling sad and upset. And then you start like crying hysterically and become extremely emotional that then the blue kind of turns into the red. So. Okay. So I think we've touched on this a little bit, but why is it important for children to be able to self-regulate and kind of like go through, understand those zones and tell you what's happening? I think that when kids can't self-regulate, that's when we start to see behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids might run away. Um, you know, I work with um, a, a child who's 11 now who, if he doesn't understand something or someone doesn't agree with him, or he feels like something's competition, he might quickly go into the red zone in yeah. um, his way of kind of getting through that is really having like self-defeating, like self-talk about himself Mm. or like running into like a closet, which is unsafe. Um, And so it's important to have those strategies so that you can really help yourself. And I think, you know, some of the the tools from that program, there's um, 
they call it like a toolbox. And so there's different strategies that you kind of write on a list and talk about when someone's in the green zone so that when they're not in the green zone, they can get back to it. But it's really a whole family approach um, because it's hard for kids to know what strategies help themselves. Like even for, you know, for younger kids that don't have any difficulties, like that emotional regulation is, is hard. It's something that they really need to like learn and parents need to be in the buy-in to understand that like, oh, you look like you are, um, I don't know, it looks like you're getting upset right now. Like, why don't you go have a drink of water with a straw or yeah. have a crunchy snack or take some alone time, go read a book, you know, because kids aren't going to necessarily know like, oh, this is how I'm feeling. I need to go do this right now to help myself. Right. It's really, it's really hard for kids to understand that. Yeah. So what are some of the possible signs of regulation issues? Um, I think there's a lot of signs. So um, in talking with parents, you know, kids who have a hard time falling asleep typically have regulation issues. Hmm. Um, Kids who also like potty train later could have regulation issues because they just don't know when they have to go to the bathroom. They don't, we call it the um, interoceptive sense. They just don't feel when they have to go to the bathroom necessarily. Um, so they may have like more basic regulation issues. Um, you know, kids who run away if a task is too hard, mm-hmm. or um, if you put them in a room with a lot of people and they become overwhelmed and they run away or they go hide under a table, that might be a sign of a regulation issue. Um, kids who maybe um, I don't know, push other kids or um, kids who, um, I'm trying to think what else, like I work with someone who can cry at the drop of a hat. Like Mm -hmm. he just cries. Um, and it's, that's how he reacts to things when he's unsure. Um, so those are some examples of like how you would know somebody has regulation issues. Um, you know, also like those kids on the playground, like if you're at school, those kids who after recess, they just can't calm themselves down and they're still running around the classroom um, or who kind of need to sit separately from everybody else because they are like moving quickly all the time. You know, those are like regulation examples. Okay. So once you see those signs and you're like, you know, we might need to start going to an occupational therapist or like seeking out help for this issue. What do you guys do in therapy to help that child with their regulation issues? So the first thing we do is we establish rapport. Um, A lot of times when kids come to us and they have emotional regulation issues, we don't always see those issues initially because the kid, oftentimes kids who are having emotional regulation issues on the surface, they seem like total typical kids, right? right? Like they know what to do. They know what's expected of them. Um, And so a lot of times it's, talking a lot with parents and finding out like what's happening at home. Um, there's a a little boy who comes here and, um, he was doing great here. He had no difficulties. We weren't seeing any issues, um, here. And so mom said, can I just meet with you? I want to show you some videos of what he looked like at home. Okay. And the child who is at home is totally different than what we see here. And so, but once we were able to connect the dots for the child, like we know what you're doing at home. And once he felt safe and comfortable, then we were able to start really helping some of those strategies at home. And really the strategies are for home. So um, other things that sometimes we do, which might sound horrible to kind of see those emotional regulation pieces is sometimes we'll sabotage sessions. 
Oh, so we'll do things that we know might cause them to be emotionally regulated as like a teachable moment to say, like, tell me what happened here. Uh Um, We also do like a lot of processing with kids. So like I work with two boys in a group, both are here for emotional regulation. Um, and we do a lot of like heavy work types of activities where they're like whole body pushing and pulling and doing those kinds of things. And then we have them sit down like on their own little areas and talk about like, tell me how you were feeling when you came in, tell me how you feel once we did these activities, why do you think they helped you? Mm. Uh, And they're like further along kind of with the emotional regulation piece. So They aren't able to necessarily put strategies in place themselves, but in hindsight, they can tell you when I came into the waiting room, I was in the yellow zone because it was really busy and loud. Mm -hmm. And then after I, you know, did the activity on my stomach, on the scooter board, it helped me calm down because I was using my whole body and now I feel good. Yeah. And so kind of processing that way and then kind of laying the rules out like, okay, well, at the end of the session, we're going back in the waiting room. What are we going to do differently so that we don't get dysregulated before you leave? Right. And talking about like, okay, just going to get our shoes and our coat and we're going to go. And so really talking through situations with people or like you're in the grocery store. What's something that you can do to help your child be more regulated? Maybe they have to sit in the grocery cart. Maybe they have to be the one pushing the grocery cart because it's nice and heavy and that's going to keep them calm. Maybe they're the ones in charge of the list and fighting the items so that they can focus on a task versus being aware of like the lights and the music and the people all around. So there's lots of different ways to provide those strategies. Yeah. That's what my next question was going to be like, what should parents do at home? Do you ever assign like homework, like stuff for parents? We always assign homework. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We always always assign homework. And then we also meet with parents. So like, um, one of the boys that I work with in this group, um, you know, mom's really struggling at home because she has a baby and, um, he loves to help with the baby, but it makes him dysregulated. And then he's like all over the baby. So, um, you know, sometimes the waiting room is not the right place to have like bigger conversations. And so right. like meeting with families outside or, um, you know, sometimes the therapists will like email back and forth. Like, you know, the parent might say like, I'm having these difficulties. Can you help me with this? And, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then through email, we can say like, yes, why don't you try, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it might be like little things like, you know, recommending, um, you know, when they get home that they have like 15 minutes in their remote loan to decompress or using like a visual timer so that they understand when they need to transition to something else or mm-hmm. a visual checklist so that it becomes more predictable for them. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times that unpredictability of the schedule can also be a trigger for, you know, becoming more dysregulated. Okay. Very interesting. So, I mean, th- those are all my questions I had for you, but I, if you have any other pieces of advice that you want to throw out or things that you've seen work really well for people that you want to give to the audience, I'd love to hear anything you have. Yeah. I mean, I would say really the home carryover and parent education is the most important thing in general when working with kids. Um, We see the most progress with kids, whether it's regulation, whether it's feeding, sleep, anything, when parents are on board and they really understand. And I think like Parents are definitely the experts when it comes to their child. Um, But I think sometimes 
we as parents see our child in one light. And I think sometimes it's hard, even though they're asking for help to kind of see their child in a different perspective. So I think like as a parent being as open as possible and just trying some of the strategies that, you know, your, your occupational therapist is recommending. And, you know, if you try them, you'll see that, that they work. Um, And if they don't work, then going back to the drawing board and trying something else. And I think also, you know, this is about OT, um, but we oftentimes will refer kids for speech as well, because sometimes the regulation piece has a language component where they're not able to communicate how they're feeling and then they become dysregulated. So, and parents don't always see that side of it because if your child is verbal and they're able to communicate, why do they need speech? (laughs) So I think again, like as a parent, like just being open that like, if we're recommending something like the more comprehensive it can be and the more tools that you have in your toolbox, it's only going to help your child. Right. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for being here on the whole. This was awesome. Um, and I think people now understand a little bit more what regulation means when they hear it being thrown around maybe in an IEP meeting or in just like everyday life as they're going through trying to find help for their kid. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thank you to the audience. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a little rating and review. So you guys know when we release new episodes and we'll catch you next time. 